0: All right, well, I'll look forward to uh, seeing that picture later. I, um, just a thought on the Married Life Live event coming up. If anybody's been to Brookside very long, you, and I'm just gonna brag here for a minute, you know Becky's never missed on an event that she's brought here. The last one we had was Michael Jr., awesome night. And I just highly recommend this couple. Becky's done all her research on this. Uh, This couple has years of experience working with marriage. Uh, She, I think, first heard of them maybe through them being at North Point Church, Andy Stanley's church, and doing uh, a a conference with them. So this is a night uh, that you really want to grab onto and take advantage of. And I think the timing's really nice. Uh, Coming off of this two-week, what's become a two-week series on marriage, that I'll do today and again next Sunday. As I, as I thought about these two Sundays and what to focus on talking about marriage, it didn't take long to decide that with it only being two weeks and since it's been quite a while since I've done this, that I really need to zero in on what's most important, what's most strategic for us to be able to build strong and healthy marriages. And so, that's what I'm going to be doing this morning, and, and in doing that, and again next Sunday, what I, really what I want to do is for us to step back and not get into, into details and specifics, but to step back and get really a very big picture view of marriage, and I think that's how we're going to be able to understand what's most important. So once I settled on this, then I began uh, looking at different scriptures that I could use to preach from in doing this sermon. And having done, you know, being a pastor as many years as I have, done a bunch of uh, sermons for weddings. And so I'm pretty familiar with all the different scripture that you can use to speak to the subject of relationship, the subjects of marriage. And so there are a lot of different options. But as as I looked and considered all of those, In the end, I knew I I needed to speak from a passage that has the most potential impact, a passage that that really goes to the heart of us being able to have the kind of marriage that all of us want to have. And so the passage is 13 verses from the fifth chapter of Ephesians. Um, Some of you might be very, very familiar with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. For some of you here today, uh, these verses and what I'm going to talk about this morning m- and next Sunday might be all new for you, all new stuff. And uh, it might be that right now you're exploring the Christian faith. You're on a, you're on a, a journey and you're asking questions. And I just, you know, I, wa- I want to really thank you for being here today. And I consider it a, a total privilege uh, that you've given me the time to be able to share from scripture with you. Or it might be that you're here today and uh, you have heard multiple sermons on this these verses in the uh, in Ephesians and you might be thinking to yourself, you know what? I think um, I have heard all that I could possibly hear out of this passage and you might be tempted to check out and maybe do something on your phone or whatever. And I, I just want to ask you to do this. Look for at least one thing each Sunday that you might have missed in this passage that you can apply to your own life. Or think of listening to the sermon today. If, if you're thinking, you know, I don't know if I need this, uh, listen for somebody else. Listen for somebody that you know might be struggling in their marriage or somebody that's contemplating marriage and, and look for ways that you can help uh, you know, uh, either person in, in either one of those kind of situations. Uh, or it might be that you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage. And I just want you to know that I, have, I am really taking these two sermons very seriously. In fact, if you ask Becky, she'll tell you that I, I, um, I you know, I had this sermon done last week because we were going we to be here last Sunday. And and so that basically the sermon was all done, and so I didn't pick it, I, I worked on next Sunday's sermon, I didn't pick this one up until Friday, or until Thursday, and I just, I just felt like I got to do more on this, and, and so I, I actually did some work on Friday, and then I came back again yesterday afternoon, and did some work, and got home at about uh, a little bit after 7 o'clock, because I just really, as much as possible, want to do this right, I want to be as helpful as they can be. Before I begin, I'd, I'd like to just uh, mention one other thing that's on my heart and with, with these two sermons. I was telling a close friend the other day that literally weeks after I graduated from seminary, I was put in a position where I was counseling married couples, and it was just like, oh, this is a little strange. You know, I'm 25 years old. I'm I'm and I have only been married for three years only, weeks into being a pastor, and I'm sitting down and I'm counseling other couples on marriage, and, and in a certain way, I felt like I was way out of my league, you know, like, why am, what am I doing right now, Do, you know, doing this? And, but the one thing that I had going was an understanding of the concepts that we're going to talk about today. And again next Sunday. I, I understood them because they were taught in the church I grew up in, but even more than that, I saw them lived out in the lives of my parents and, and other people who were my parents' age that were close to us as a family. And so, I, you know, I had that going for, for me as I was doing that. And I just, I just want you to know that now, 42 years into marriage and 39 years of being a pastor. I am am way more convinced now than I was when I was 25 years old. And I really believed it as a 25-year-old. But I'm way more convinced now that the wisest decision that any two people can make for their lives together is to trust God's wisdom on marriage. To just, you know, really put their trust in in God as they seek to live their lives together. So here's here's what we're going to do. This morning and next Sunday, we're gonna get a big picture view of marriage, a grand view of marriage, with six sides to it. That number six you're gonna wanna remember. And all six have one thing in common. They all come down to trusting God's wisdom on marriage. And so that that's like the big statement you want to remember this morning: trusting God's wisdom on marriage, making the choice not to to trust your own wisdom, or not even to trust the wisdom of of what other people around you might say about marriage. You know, not that you never trust it, but not to make that the number one trust that you have, but especially not to trust the wisdom of the world in which we live, but instead, first and foremost, trust God's wisdom, the wisdom of God on the whole subject of marriage, So this morning we're going to, in this big picture, we're going to look at, at two sides. And then next Sunday we'll look at the, the next four. And the two sides of marriage that we're going to look at today, and you might, to help you track with what I'm talking about, you might write this down, we're going to talk about, first of all, what it is, what marriage is, and then second, what it does. So what it is and what it does, alright? So first of all, what it is, what it is. One of the things that is very easy to do in marriage is to base your marriage on your feelings. Uh, How well you think the marriage is going, the level of chemistry in your relationship, how much the other person is meeting your needs. It's very easy to base your marriage on that, to trust that, and it's here that it's so important for us, first of all, to trust the wisdom of God, that that marriage at its core is not about our our feelings, it's not about the level of our chemistry. At its very core, marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant. Now, God is is the first one to describe marriage this way, and he did it all the way back at the very beginning, the creation of Adam and Eve, and he said this to them all the way back in Genesis chapter two, in verse 24, uh, and and Paul is now quoting from this in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. So this re- this this statement, God said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The two will become one flesh. <clears throat> okay. The <clears throat> the emphasis here on that statement is on the closeness and the permanence of the marriage relationship. That at its very core, marriage is a covenant relationship between a husband and a wife. Marriage marriage is not so much a declaration of present love, current love, as important as that is, marriage is the binding promise of future love. It's looking into the future. right, so now, when I say that, don't misunderstand. Okay? It's not a promise to feel warm and loving all the time. okay? Because no one can promise that. It's, it's, it's a promise to be loving and to be faithful and caring and serving regardless of the ups and downs of emotions and circumstances. It's a long-term commitment through thick and thin. That's the core of marriage. It's a covenant. It's not simply a declaration of present love, love in the moment. It's a promise of future love. Now, you might be here today, and if you and I could sit down and talk, you, could, you might say, well, Steve, listen, i got to tell you, right now in my marriage, I'm not feeling any warmth. I'm not feeling any love. I'm, I, I'm not feeling it for the person I'm married to, and, I, and I'm not feeling it back, back from them. Well, I, I got to tell you, in 39 years of being a pastor, I, can't, I cannot possibly tell you the number of times I've had someone say this to me, okay? And you need to know that it's, this isn't abnormal. <laughs> the best of marriages can experience this. Ask, ask me how fired up I am about marriage, and I'll tell you, it is incredibly wonderful. I am absolutely crazy in love with Becky, <laughs> But I also say, and Becky would say the same, we've had those times when we didn't feel loved either because of what was said or what was done that was less than loving. Anybody else ever feel that way? Huh? And I know, also know that it's true because I've, ha- I've seen it happen too many times not to know that it's true that, that the way to work through those times Starts with basing your marriage on the truth that it's a covenant, that at its core, it's a binding promise of future love. You've got to have that as your basis in your marriage. Now, I don't, I don't have to tell you this. You know this already. This is in complete collision with our culture. <laughs> which doesn't see the most important thing to be a lasting covenant between two people, but the level of chemistry in their relationship, how you're feeling at the moment, how much the other person is meeting your needs, whatever those needs might be. We might say that our culture sees marriage more like a consumer relationship, some kind of a consumer relationship. We stay connected to people only as long as they're meeting our needs at an acceptable cost to us. But when a relationship requires more love and affirmation from us than we're we're getting back, then we cut our losses and we end it. That's pretty much the thinking of our culture today. And here's where we need God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom tells us That the joy and fulfillment that can be ours in marriage isn't found in how we're feeling in the level of the chemistry. It's found in the covenant that we make with each other. It's found in our long-term commitment, and I'll say it again, regardless of the ups and downs of emotion and circumstances. So why is this true? Let Let me answer it this way, all right? Imagine somebody with a view that chemistry is what really matters asking me a kind of a combative question. Coming up to me and saying, think of the very first time you kissed Becky. Which, by the, by the way, January is like 43 years ago, okay? First time. Um, and, and, and so they said to me, so they said, okay, 43 years later, does it have the same electrical thrill to it as it did that first time? And my answer would be no. And then I would say, I should hope not. It's far better, far better. And here's why. That chemistry that you're talking about, that personal thrill the first time you kissed or touched somebody, it's largely ego. It's largely about you. What's so thrilling and electrical about it is this person you think is pretty great is into you. They're responding to you. But the thing that you've got to know is that this isn't anything like the thrill of actually really loving another person. doesn't even come close. To truly love someone. To be absolutely committed to someone else's joy and well-being is far greater and far more satisfying. And i got to tell you, it takes time to develop that. It doesn't happen in one night or even in one year. See, first of all, you've got to get to know who that person really is. At the very beginning, when you think you're falling in love with someone... You're falling in love with really just a little bit of an understanding of who that person is. It takes a a long time to find out who that person really is. And, and, And really, this goes both ways in the relationship. As much as I might say that I was in love with Becky the first week we met, and I mean, I thought it at that time, man, I could... I could ask this person to I could ask her to marry me now after 1 week. I got to tell you, as much as I was in love with Becky that first week, the truth is the love that I was feeling then doesn't come close to the to the love that I had for her 10 years into our marriage. I would say I would say that's even true of even 1 year into our marriage. What I had 10 years later, my love for her was that much greater and the distance became even greater 20 years into our marriage. And and still greater, 30 years into our marriage, and now 42 years later and one month, I got to tell you, I, I wouldn't even compare the two. I wouldn't even compare the two. Second, there is so much of life that you've got to experience together. You've got to walk through the good times and the hard times. You you you've got to you've got to. You've got to, you know, you got to see each other in those challenges. You, you've got to make your way through the, through the challenges and the difficulties and the successes and the failures. You, you have to make sacrifices. You have to have. You've got to, you've got to experience confrontations and reconciliations. You, There, there are so many decisions that, that you've got to make together. I can tell you from experience everybody, as time goes on, the emotion you're feeling shifts shifts from the thrill of this great person liking me to your love for that person, to your commitment to see them flourish and thrive, even at a cost to yourself. That's passion. Passion. That's a far greater feeling and it keeps on growing and the joy gets greater and greater year after year. I know that's true. I know it's true. Now, (laughs) it's not surprising that there's been a whole lot of research done on marriage and Every major study shows that on average there is a, a two-year rule for marriage that, that very much relates to this whole thing of, of chemistry or how two people are feeling about each other in their marriage. A two-year rule, two years. Now this past Thursday, Becky and I were invited to a dinner where uh, Dr. Gary Chapman spoke on marriage. Dr. Chapman's a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's a psychiatrist. Uh, he has, he's considered to be one of our country's experts on, on marriage counseling. He's written a bunch of books, and if you, might have, you might have read one of his books called The Five Love Languages. It's probably one of the most well-known books that he's written. I know all the guys out here have read that several times. Uh, But, you know, it was really interesting. I had this sermon done before that that event on Thursday, so I knew I was going to talk about this two-year rule. What what was fun is that he brought it up, and he talked about it. He explained how important it is for everybody to be able to understand it. And so I I just want to unpack this for you this morning, and and, um, I'll do it in a very unsophisticated way with drawing this for you. So let's say this is the start of the marriage when two people, you know, their wedding day, they get married and they go through the first years, first year, number, year number one in their marriage and it's all great. It's all good. They're feeling good. The chemistry is working and, and, then, and then they get into the second year of their marriage and the same thing. Everything's on the up and up. Feeling good, chemistry's good, and so somewhere around that two year mark something something changes, something happens and 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 so the the chemistry that they that they were feeling between each other the the feeling that tingly good feeling begins to fade, and they don't know why but but something's happening and and instead of things on the up and up, it's like it suddenly starts curving off and kind of going down. At least they're, they're feeling it is, okay? That's their perception that that's happening. Or sometimes it's like something can happen, it can just dramatically drop off. Dr. Chapman, who's 77 years old, so he's been married a lot of years, he said that he and his wife went through this, this very thing, and it, at, at that very point in their marriage, and they decided that they were going to stick it out, that they were going to make it work. But he said, he said, and he said his wife felt the, felt the same way. He said, I felt trapped. I was so sad. I felt that I'd married the wrong person. I thought things were never going to get better again. He thought, this is what I'm going to have the rest of my life. And he, he said, we both wish that we would have known then what we know now from what research has shown about marriages, that all marriages go through this. And, but, this is, what they, this is what's been found, is if a couple decides to hang in there, to persevere, to work through the things that cause the curve to start going down, to work through those difficulties, if they do that, then, and if they both do it, key thing, they both do it, then what will happen is that the marriage will start moving up again in the right direction and it will not only, not only is it moving up, but it will be stronger and better than what they had the first two years. Now, this probably isn't a surprise uh, to anybody here, but guess what? That's not the only time that that happens. That's not the only time. You can you could be, in fact they, they say there's like this seven year thing that couples go through and you know the, you, you what you could be ten years into your marriage, fifteen years into your marriage, twenty years, and, and what happens is you go through this kind of kind of deal again. Okay, but if you if you say, man, we're we're committed to this. This is a long term relationship, and you work at it. Both of you work at what you what has to happen. Then 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 it can start moving start moving up again in, in the right direction. In fact, I was talking with somebody after first service, and I think one of the times when couples hit can can could potentially hit that that would, that challenging time where it could go down is when the kids leave home. You know, and sometimes what happens is their whole life is devoted to their kids and they haven't been building into their marriage. But if they, if they recognize what has happened and they begin rebuilding what needs to be built, then things can move in the upward direction again. Now, i got to tell you this. Every time you face this in your marriage, at whatever point, you have three options. Okay? One option is to hang in there, to persevere. And both of you work on what needs to be worked on in your marriage. And if you do that, it's gonna keep, it's gonna keep going up again. Another option is to say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I don't care that much. I'm just gonna settle for it the way it is. I'm not gonna do anything. You're stubborn or whatever. You know, you're gonna, you're not willing to budge and change the way you need to change, either one or both of you. And then what you do is you just plateau and you never really have a great marriage. You just kind of exist together. All right. Or you run to another relationship. You run to another marriage, hoping that it'll be better second time around. But you know what? Almost never is it better. It's just a vicious cycle that you get yourself into. Okay? All right. Um, So, (laughs) say it again. Trusting God... Is the way to go. <laughs> there are so many couples that I've known through the years who have experienced this very thing. And, and if I could bring them up here this morning to a person... Every one of them would say it's been worth every bit of everything it took to persevere and work through the hard times. There is hope on the other side. And they would even say what they thought was good back here or what they thought was good back here or what they thought. If the line keeps moving up, they would say, they would say it doesn't even come close to what they have now, okay? So here's, here's I want to just give you uh, four different ideas what to do and then a wonderful quote that I received somebody that teaches us even more. So number one, um, you gotta, you got to build your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to talk about this more next Sunday, but it bears repeating. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it a million, you know, as many times. The pastor who married us drew this triangle. He put Jesus Christ at the top, My name on one corner Becky's name on the other corner and he said the closer you grow toward Jesus Christ the closer you grow toward to each other and that's the absolute truth but I got to tell you the only way you're going to build your relationship with Jesus Christ is if you're building into your life the truth of God's Word and, 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 and a prayer life where you're disciplining yourself to daily consistent time in Scripture and daily consistent time of relating to God through prayer you just got to do that if you're not doing that I just want, I just want to tell you I mean anything else you, you just it, it just won't it just won't you just won't do it okay The other thing is 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 if you need it to get the professional counseling you know that's um, nothing to be ashamed of it's nothing. If if you if you're running into a rough time in your life and you need more help, help outside of yourself, get the professional counseling you need. And I, I mean, I just tell you that. Send me an email, or if you're, and I can send you the name of somebody. Uh, just tap me on the shoulder and give give you the name of somebody uh, that I would highly recommend. This okay? And the other one is I, I I I I asked somebody this last week who I knew had gone through a challenging time. I said, what would you say was that the top three things that you did to help you through that time? When, when things, were, things were down here, what, what, what helped you move up? And, and this is the, I mean, they didn't even hesitate. They said this right away. It was, they said, putting in front of me what I valued the most. And for them, for this person, it was pictures of their children. You know, just knowing what is... What was at stake with the marriage? And for them, it was having the pictures of their children in front of them. And then I would say this, don't ever, don't ever go alone on this thing. Get the support of trusted friends who will come alongside you and help both of you, you as a husband and you as a wife, just to be there for you. And that's one reason I, one reason I believe so, so much in the importance of, of small groups because there you have a... A place, a safe place. Now, I just want to read you um, something that somebody emailed me, who I know had gone through a hard time in their marriage. That I just think is so powerful, and it just teaches so much. So listen real carefully. It, this is powerful. They said, I, "I really had to stop the cycle of blame and waiting for the other person to make changes." I had to look at myself and take responsibility for my behavior and do the right thing. Did you get that? Take responsibility for my behavior and do the right thing. And they said this was not an easy thing to do. It it would have been so much easier to blame the other person or expect them to change first. And then they said this. Forgiveness was a process and I had to put that into action. It was the only way to really get past the hurt. I, I had to come to a point that I truly forgave, worked it through, and then put it in the past and never bring it up again. Okay? Boy, that's, pow- that's a lot of wisdom there. And then they said this. Truly, it was, it was through trusting God focusing on God's love for me and training my mind and and memorizing scripture that gave me the strength in those places of sadness when I was ready to throw in the towel. And then they finished with this statement. They said, even now, we are in a new phase of life and trying to navigate through. It's like, okay, somewhere up here, okay, trying to to navigate through. And they write, boy, Old habits do die hard. I catch myself and I think, where did that come from? Ever felt that way? And then they said, it's really a lifetime of working on it, but it is so worth it, I'm more in love now than ever. So first of all, marriage, what it is, what it is, it's a covenant. Second, what marriage does. All right, so let's, let's track through this. Now we're talking about the purpose of marriage, and the purpose of marriage is that it helps two people become their absolute best, their absolute best. We, we just finished a series on God's dream for our life, and I, I see a huge connection here. This is what every friendship should do for another person. We can help each other become everything God created us to be. And marriage is one of the the greatest opportunities for this to happen. Husband and wives helping each other become their absolute best, everything God created them to be. Now, here's where I see this in what Paul wrote about marriage. It's it's what he said to husbands in directing us to love our wives. Um, This statement Husbands, uh, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, while Paul is speaking to husbands here, what we're to do for our wives, I'm convinced us guys need and want the same thing for ourselves. We, Jesus Christ loving us, giving himself for us on the cross, forgiving us, cleansing us through the truth of Scripture, all to make us holy. Everything that God created us to be, for us to be our absolute best. So here, everybody, is the Wonderful thing about marriage. Here's where where marriage brings such incredible potential for each person. Your spouse comes into your life not to be your savior, not to be your savior, but to partner with your savior to help you become everything that he's making you to be, everything that Jesus died for you. He's helping you to reach that in your life. Your husband doing this for you. Your wife doing this for you. This is, I think this is so amazing, so wonderful. We just can't miss it. So let me say it again. The person you're married to came into your life to partner with Christ to help you become the person Christ is making you to be. So I think I think the smartest thing you can do in looking for the right person to marry is to look for someone who wants to be like Jesus as much as you do, who's convinced that this is what's most important in life, and and look for someone who makes you a better person just by being around them. (laughs) We might say that marriage is a uniquely intense form of Christian community. It's meant to do what trusted friends should do for each other, what each one of us should do for each other as believers. Help each other become more like Jesus, to become the absolute best that we can be. So two applications with this, all right? Number one is to commit yourself to speaking the truth in love. And here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. He talked about this he said he talked about how we could really grow up he said speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ speak the truth in love talk with each other about things that need to change in each other's lives And know that when you do this, there's going to be times that this isn't easy, times when you will disagree and times when you will clash with each other. See, if you're married to the right person, if marriage is going to bring you to confront things that are wrong in you in a way that no other relationship can do, it's it's going to get through to you, you're you're going to get out of denial. I got to tell you, I am so thankful to God for many reasons. For Becky, one of the reasons I'm so thankful is that she didn't. She she hasn't let me get by with stupid, jerky, bad stuff, you know. And I can do it really well. I mean, I can. You know, but she got in my face right away in our marriage. She had the courage to confront me with what needed to be confronted in my life. She did it, and she still does it really well. (laughs) Yeah? Gotta tell you, I'm so thankful. You want to be married to somebody who is not a pushover. You want to be married to somebody who gets right in your face and says to you exactly what you need to hear. You need to marry somebody who's going to face you with the truth about yourself. Okay, Marriage is like a gem tumbler. Two rough stones put into a tumbler, and they tumble around, and they knock the rough edges off each other, and when they come out, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. So you got to speak the truth in love and you got to welcome the truth. And when I talk about speaking the truth in love, remember that. It's not just speaking the truth. It's doing it in love. It's not nitpicking. It's not nagging each other. It's not looking for things that you can find wrong with the other person. It's none of that. It's not putting the other person down to make you look better. Speaking the truth in love is saying what's best for the other person and doing this in a kind and careful and considerate way and doing it with love for them as your motivation and then I got to tell you this whole thing of truth you've got to welcome the truth you can't run from it you can't put your defenses up but you've got to listen with an open heart and an open mind and aren't you glad that's so easy to do (laughs) all right okay Okay, here's number two you got to be smart in who you choose to marry one of the questions that, you know, is often asked of couples, and in fact, there was a game on TV years ago with couples that were married asking them questions about each other to see how well they knew each other. And, you know, one of the questions that is often asked is, what attracted you to that person? Okay? And it's fun to hear the answers that are given, but, but, but often what f- people find attractive in another person could be pretty superficial, Right? See, I think if you're wise about this, you'll have a comprehensive attraction. And most important, most important, everybody, don't miss this, most important, you'll be attracted to something in a person that you know will get stronger as, as you both get older right? Instead of choosing something, someone on the basis of looks or their physical strength or their money or their connections, whatever it might be that it's on the surface that has no real lasting value. Instead of choosing somebody because of those kinds of things, instead, choose a person with the right character that you can respect, The right character that you can respect. Somebody that you can be best friends with for the rest of your lives. Somebody that you can trust on to counsel you in your life. Be attracted to what can become stronger and better. (laughs) Oh, that's important. So if you're here today and you're single, I would say, let this guide you in what you seek for in another person. In fact, I would say, let it guide you in who you're willing to invest time with, who you're willing to be- spend time with. And I would say, the younger you are, when you start doing this, the better off you're going to be. I mean, as a high school student, I, w- I, would just, I would just say to you, only date the kind of person who's got character. Somebody that you can really trust, you can count on. So marriage, number one, what it is, it's a covenant. It's a binding promise of future love. It's a long-term commitment to the hard times and the good times through thick and thin. And marriage, what it does, it helps two people become their absolute best. And I'm going to say it again. 42 years into marriage, and 39 years of being a pastor, I am way more convinced now than I was the first year Becky and I were married, and the first year that I was a pastor, I'm way more convinced now that the best choice any two people can make for their lives together is to trust, trust in the wisdom of God. Trust God's wisdom on marriage, okay? Well, let's stand, and I'm going to pray, and, um, and then we're going to worship t- together, okay? And again, I'm, a, I'm just going to, I wrote this prayer out, so ignore me, bow your heads, but I'm going I'm to pray this prayer, okay? Father, we thank you that you show us the immense biblical wisdom of marriage, your wisdom, God, and we praise you for it. And God, there's probably never been a culture or a place or a time that most needed it, though we've always needed it. And God, I pray that you will help us to order our lives in accord with your truth, with your wisdom. And Lord, most of all, I pray that your Holy Spirit, let your Holy Spirit apply this teaching to every person's life, myself included, where we need it. We ask this for your glory, and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let's worship together.